You're listening to SpursCast, episode 525. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am the host of the SpursCast. Joining me on this episode will be Project Spurs' Tom Petrini. If you're on Twitter, please follow him, at RealTomPetrini. In our discussion, Tom and I discussed the Spurs' um, last four games where they went one and three. Uh, we have a discussion about the all-star chances for DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. Tom, who covers the Austin Spurs uh, in the G League, uh, also provides some observations on how Chemezi Metu and Lonnie Walker IV have been playing in, in Austin lately. And then finally, we preview the Spurs' upcoming uh, next three games. So please enjoy my conversation with Tom Petrini. And now joining me from Austin, Texas, is Project Spurs' own Tom Petrini. You can follow him on Twitter, at RealTomPetrini. Tom, how are you doing, man? I'm fantastic, Paul. How have you been? I've been I've been very well. Um, you know, you and I were were there at the uh, Tony Parker uh, uh, return to San Antonio on Monday evening. But before we get to that game and talk about our you know just our observations from that type of atmosphere, let's go ahead and get into the discussion on the Spurs' last four games um, since I last recorded last week with uh, with Benjamin Bornstein. So the Spurs, you know, me and Ben had basically picked uh, basically said they would go three and one in our predictions, and they went the opposite. They went one and three in their last four games. Uh, you know, Wednesday, start going back to last, last Wednesday, they were at Memphis on the road. Uh, they lost that game by 10 points, 96-86. There was no Rudy Gay. Uh, Memphis had a 16-point lead at one time. The Spurs only led by two. Then the following night, in a back-to-back on the second night, the Spurs flew home and hosted the Oklahoma City Thunder for the first time this season. The Spurs and Thunder went to double overtime, where, they, where the San Antonio finally won 154-147. LaMarcus Aldridge had a career-high 56 points that night without making a three-pointer. And again, no Rudy Gay, but the Spurs did win. Then on Saturday, the Spurs flew to Oklahoma City where they lost to the Thunder, 122-112. Again, no Rudy Gay. They kind of ran out of gas in the second half. They were up by nine at halftime, but then, you know, in the third quarter, they got outscored 35-20. There were six turnovers in that third quarter that were a key part of why they lost that game. Then on Monday... Uh, you know, which is the game you and I attended. Uh, the Spurs lost to the, the Charlotte Hornets, um, 108-93. This one was a little bit more surprising because the Spurs were a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Again, no Rudy Gay uh, with that left sprained wrist, and then Marco Bellinelli missed this game due to a left knee contusion. So, um, you know, first, let's spend a little bit more time on this Hornets game. What did you think about Tony Parker's return to San Antonio and the type of um, welcoming that the Spurs fans gave him? Well, I... I mean, it was it was night and day from what we saw, you know, a couple of weeks before with Kawhi coming back, and the reasons are pretty obvious. You know, the the circumstances under which Tony left, um, he was basically told by the team, "Look, you're going to be the third point guard." Um, so, you know, he still got buckets to get. He he had to go where he would have an opportunity, and you know, we we heard a lot from national media personalities about the Spurs being an ungrateful fan base. I don't think that's what it was with doing Kawhi. You know, Spurs fans, and I think sports fans in general, understand that it's a business, but they understand when somebody gets a raw deal. When when Parker left, he was the one that got the raw deal. When Kawhi left, it was the Spurs. So, you know, I, I saw it through the entire arena, um, you know, even press row, like, that's that's a huge etiquette thing. You're not supposed to be clapping in press row, but everyone in the building was clapping for Tony Parker. Um, so, 
you know, he, he got the welcome that he deserved. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, one cool thing was obviously the Spurs, um, you know, doing that tribute video to him right, right after the national anthem. And one of the coolest parts um, from what I saw in that video was the part where it ended, where he's like standing up and he's looking up at the banners and there's five banners with four. I want to, uh, yeah, there's the five championship banners up there. There's those Tony who was responsible for majority of those championships here in San Antonio. And, and you're right, Tom, where it, it wasn't the same re- reaction that Kawhi got. It was totally opposite. And, and even like, it was very similar more so to the type of reaction Danny Green got. You know, Danny got praised all night that, that he was here. Again, because Danny put in the work and he and he and it wasn't his fault that he got traded. You know, it was just like you mentioned, it was part of the business. The part that the fans were still upset about with Kawhi was that, again, they never quite knew why he wanted out still to this day. And then number two was that you were still under contract and you were trying to force your way out. You know, you didn't just leave a free agency like maybe LeBron or Kevin Durant. So we kind of hashed that out already um, the last few episodes. But um, yeah, so... So now, Tom, let's go ahead and talk about the Spurs, though. They did go one and three in these last four games. I just read you all the, all the numbers on them. Um, they're really struggling right now without Rudy Gay. He's been out since uh, that uh, right before that Detroit game, or I think actually um, since uh, one of the Memphis games. So, so they're now two and three in the last five games without Rudy Gay, three and seven overall without him. Um, what have been some of your observations since they've lost Gay and they've and they've been struggling here a bit? Well, when you when you're missing Rudy Gay, you're missing a guy who can put the ball on the floor and get a shot for himself in pretty much any situation. And it, it goes without saying, but that's a really important thing, especially in a rotation like this, where there are a lot of guys who don't do that quite as well. Um, so you're missing his, um, his shot creating and making ability but you're also missing his versatility on defense and you know i think that's probably been where they're missing him the most because you know they've been one of the best defensive teams in the league since that december homestand um but they're slipping a little bit without rudy gay yeah, I agree with you. You just hit on two points that I, that, you know, that I, that I noted, which was one that the rotations are totally off. You can tell by, you know, obviously they're having to start Pau Gasol right now. Jakob Pertl, his kind of play was was um, was hampered a bit because at first Pop started him, they put, but then he brought him off the bench. Then you got on the wing, you got guys like like Dante Cunningham or Quincy Pondexter getting some minutes just because Pop's trying to find some sort of spark with, with Bellinelli out in that last game, but then also Rudy Gay out. So I think that rotation-wise, you're right. It throws everybody out of their, out of their rotation. And they were humming, you know, right before he got hurt. Uh, then also, like you mentioned defensively, is, is something I said on the Spurs cast is I, I really feel like he's their Draymond Green, in terms, Draymond Green in terms of their switching scheme. He's so good at being able to guard, to switch onto twos, threes, fours, that he really, him and Derek White are so key to holding that, that defense to, um, together out on the perimeter. And without one of those pieces, you know, you're seeing more dribble penetration. You're seeing guys uh, get into the lane more, kicking out for some open three-pointers, carving up their defense just a bit more uh, without him. So I think that, that, that he's a huge part of them. And it does look like he might finally make his return on Wednesday uh, in Dallas. Uh, another player, though, Tom, I want to talk about, and a lot of fans have been talking about him lately, is uh, DeMar DeRozan. Um, he struggled here a bit in January. He, he's played seven games in January. He's had two good games during that stretch. He played well against Toronto when he had the, the triple-double, and then against Detroit he had 26. But other than that, he's really struggled. Um, here are his stats right now in January. Seven games, 36.7 minutes, the most on the team right now. Shooting 40% from the floor, 71% from the free-throw line. 
16.6 points, which ties him with Derek White for um, the second most uh, scoring leader behind Aldridge in this month. 7.7 rebounds, 6.9 assists, and then here's a big one, four turnovers a game in January. Uh, what do you think the, the issue is right now with DeRozan to start this month? Um, he hasn't looked as comfortable. And I, I think missing Rudy Gay certainly, you know, is putting more of a ball handling responsibility on DeRozan. Um, so he has to create more of the offense and, you know, it just creates more opportunities for something to go wrong. But, you know, his shots have looked pretty short to me. I don't know if that's something that you've seen, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but no, I've seen, I've seen that too. They're always hitting the front of the rim and that looks like tired legs. If you want to point to something. Right. And, you know, for, for this season, he's playing 35 minutes a game. That's more run than pops guys usually get. Um, and they've needed him. Um, and so, you know, it's an 82-game season. There are going to be ups and downs. And, um, you know, it it doesn't surprise me a lot that after that hugely emotional Toronto game, maybe there's, you know, some some lingering effects from that mentally. Um, that's, that's just a guess. I, you know, I'm not in the guy's head, but... Um, and I, I also think we're seeing a justifiably frustrated DeMar DeRozan because he's been driving more than he has in his entire career. And he's just not getting the foul calls that you would expect. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he, he wears that frustration on his face. He lets the refs know about it. And, you know... It's it seems to have picked up a little bit in the last ten games or so, um, and especially because he has to drive so much because you know he's not really a three point threat, um, mm-hmm. and so there are just more plays where he's making contact with guys and the refs are just kind of letting that go, um, and yeah, he definitely seems a little frustrated with that. No, for sure. That's a good point. Especially, you know, and and you've seen it too by the, the amount of technical foul calls he's getting lately um, this season. Now, um, you, you hit two of the reasons why I think he's struggling, which is definitely the minutes. He's, I think he definitely looks tired. Uh, like I mentioned, he's played the most minutes since in January. And then part of it also is Rudy Gay not being there. I think also the matchups have been tough for him. You know, Kyle Anderson is a really good defender on him. Kyle was a good defender for the Spurs last year with Kawhi. Then two games in a row. Not only did he have to guard Paul George as a key matchup, but then Paul George, one of the you know a guy who might win Defensive Player of the Year, had to guard him as well right. on the other end. So he's had to go against Kyle Anderson, uh, Paul George, and then even last night somebody like Michael Kidd Gilchrist is a notable defender, you know, who's, who's really physical, tries to get into you, and so he was getting um, you know defended by Kidd Gilchrist last night. So I really think that it's it's a combination of those extra you know the, like you mentioned the the energy from that the the emotion from that Toronto game going to double overtime against OKC, not having Rudy Gay to guard Paul George, and he has to get that kind of matchup. Then playing some really good defenders, I think it's all kind of cul- it's all, uh, culmination, and it's had a little bit of an effect. Now, again, DeMar can struggle because, I mean, he's afforded that. He's played really well all season for the Spurs, and people might forget this, but LaMarcus Aldridge struggled way back in November. I mean, LaMarcus is almost having a worse month than, than, than DeRozan right now in November. He was averaging 16.5 points, 43% shooting, uh, two turnovers, 11, 11 rebounds. So, so you know, it, it, nobody's perfect for, for a full 82-game season like you mentioned, and there's going to be some hiccups. And obviously I think that when Rudy comes back, it's, he's definitely going to help ease that pressure off DeRozan. 
Um, let's go ahead and get to, uh, to our second topic, Tom, and that's um, a, an article I wrote this past Monday, which was uh, talking about the chances of LaMarcus and, and DeRozan getting into the All-Star game. Now, statistically, they've almost had close to identical season in, in a few areas, especially like in scoring. DeRozan's at 21.9 points, uh, Aldridge 20.8. Um, DeRozan 47% shooting, Aldridge 51% shooting. DeRozan 6.2 rebounds, Aldridge 8.6. Assist, DeRozan 6.4, Aldridge 2.5. Turnovers, DeRozan 2.6, for Aldridge. Uh, DeRozan's played about 35 minutes, like you mentioned, and Aldridge is playing three minutes less at about 32.7. Now, they've both played in all 100% of the Spurs' games this year. Uh, They've both been three times a Player of the Week nomination uh, nominees out West, and LaMarcus has at least gotten a Player of the Month uh, nominee nomination um so the tricky part is looking at at the starters and the reserves which the starters will get announced here on um, january 24th and then the reserves get released on january 31st uh you know if it came down right now tom between picking one player let's say that the, the coaches the reserves had to pick one of those guys who do you think gets in just based on the performance up to today and that's really tough um you know I, I honestly think that both guys are deserving this year. Um, and, you know, fan voting is a joke. We know this. Yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> he's in the uh, top ten, and he hasn't played a game yet this year. Uh, <laughs> do better, America. But I, I think that you have to consider the defensive contributions of LaMarcus Aldridge. He's mm-hmm. been instrumental to this team's turnaround and it starts with the defense and he's been the anchor. Um, you know, I, I think people forget, you know, people always want to talk about how you know, he's 34 years old. Tim Duncan was playing fantastic team defense into like his late thirties, you know, mm-hmm. and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the way LaMarcus is playing defense now is not only is it, some of the best defense of his career, but it's closer to the way Timmy was playing in the system a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, he's just playing that that drop back type of type of defense, and it's just really like you know they're giving up the 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 uh, floaters, but outside of that, I mean, he's just really um, deterring shots at the rim, and then you know he's averaging one point one blocks a game. Yeah, I think I'm, I mean Demar. At the same time, you you have to understand that DeMar has been the, you know, he's been the straw that stirs the drink on offense. He's the guy that's initiating most of the time. Um, and he's passing better than he ever has in his career. Um, and so, I yeah, I, I think both of these guys deserve to get it. It's really tough to, you know, I feel like you're splitting hairs if you try to pick one yeah. or the other. What about you? Well, see, that's where I'm. This is where I came to the. I, I was looking more so at consistency the whole year, and I feel like right now, you know, up to obviously yesterday's game, Monday's game, DeRozan had been that guy, in my opinion. And again, the reason why I say that, yeah, I think I, I'm totally with you. I really think that it, it, that both of them are deserving of All Star credit. The only problem is their seeding. They're right now a seven seed, and I really feel that um, the coaches will probably give if the Clippers are still there, like sixth, fifth, they may give them an All Star, whether that's Tobias Harris, uh, Montrezl Harrell, or Lou Williams. One of those guys might get in if the Clippers are still a playoff team by the time those ballots are turned in. So I really do feel like, you know, it, it is the coach's choice, 
And uh, you know, it, how how do coaches evaluate? Are are they looking, you know, specifically for uh, defense? Are they looking specifically for, you know, who do we have to game plan the hardest for? Which I think that's DeRozan. Whenever you look at the Spurs and you're you're, you're approaching them, uh, who's been consistent all year? I think that's definitely DeRozan. But then you know, if if we're talking about recency bias, then it's definitely Lamarcus. You know, just seeing him get a 56 point game the other night. He had 28 last night. I mean, he's been a monster basically since December. So uh, it's really going to come down to the coaches and, you know. Uh, one of the guys who kind of throws this off, because usually rookies don't go into the All-Star game, it's Luka Doncic. He's just been playing so well that he's going to probably get one of those spots out west. Um, and so then I really think that, that you know, he's going to be the guy who gets an extra spot, which he's deserving. You know, Steve Kirsten's already said he's an All-Star. He might even start based on the fan voting. So um, I just didn't expect that. So I think that as long as the Spurs are in that outside of the top three or four, I don't think they can get two All-Stars. And I think that they would have to make some sort of push in, in their in their winning record to get themselves to All-Stars. And right now, I just think, as of right now, I think it's DeRozan. But, you know, if LaMarcus keeps scoring almost 30 a game in the next few few days, then maybe LaMarcus gets in. That's where, where, I'm, at, where I'm at. Yeah, I feel you. And Luka Doncic, that kid, I mean, he is special. He is... Yes, I know. <laughs> for, forget about rookies. Like, he is one of the... We, we always hear players talk about the game slowing down, you know, and he slows the game down better at 19 years old than most of these guys who have been doing this their whole lives. And it's it's unbelievable to watch. I'm very excited about this Mavericks game coming up. Yeah, oh, for sure. And, you know, seeing him just uh, in the, it was early in the season when the Spurs hosted the Mavs. And I just remember it was crunch time, fourth quarter. The guy is just. He just takes his time, clock winding down, either finding himself a shot or finding someone else a really good open three-pointer, um, you know, a kind of cut to the basket. He was just so patient. And that was back in October when, when the season had just started. And now his, his game has just elevated to another level now that he's gotten more NBA experience under his belt. So um, right now I really do, again, I think that unless the Clippers fall out, uh, you know, then, but even then, like, let's say the Clippers fall out and then maybe like the, the, the Jazz get in. Well, then you got Donovan Mitchell, you know, if uh, you know, maybe they give Clay, Clay a spot, maybe they give C, um, what's his name? Uh, CJ McCollum. So there's a lot of players out there. And I really feel like unless the Spurs can get a top three seed, I don't see why they'd get two All Stars over another team right now. Um, all right, Tom, let's go ahead and go into our, our third topic. And that's, uh, that's kind of your observations of a guy that, Hasn't really played a lot here in San Antonio, and, and that's uh, what two guys really. Uh, Lonnie Walker the fourth, the Spurs' first round pick, and Chemezi Metu. So you've been covering the covering the Austin Spurs over in Austin. Uh, they're currently twelve and fourteen right now. Uh, you know Metu's averaging fifteen point three points, forty nine percent shooting, six point nine rebounds, one point nine assists um, in twenty nine minutes over in the G League, and then Lonnie Walker's averaging fifteen point one points um, with shooting splits of forty four percent. 31 from three and 69% from the line, 2.8 rebounds, 1.8 assists, uh, 1.1 steals in 27 minutes in 15 games. So just kind of just to open this up to our early discussion. I mean, uh, what, what have been your thoughts on both of those players right now in Austin? Well, so I, I went to the game a couple days ago and, um, you know, mainly to talk to Lonnie about his NBA debut and then, you know, coming back a couple nights later, dropping 34 in the G League. But um, it was Metu who had the, the better night that night. And that night he was pulling out thing, things that I hadn't seen him do, period, in competitive basketball. Like he was, uh, you know, posting up into 18 footers and, and the shots were wet. Um, 
And that was, you know, that's kind of been a question mark in his game for a while is, you know, can he get any range on his jump shot or is he just, you know, an around the basket guy and at 6'10", that's kind of tough. Um, <clears throat> so he definitely needs that shot to be a contributor at the next level. Um, and it seems like he's been working on it. Um, and Lonnie, I mean, if if we're talking about just, you know, pure talent when the Spurs drafted them, Lonnie Walker is up there with, you know, the greats in the Popovich era, right? Like, he's, he's the highest draft pick since Kawhi Leonard, and that was mm-hmm. true, technically, so then you have to go all the way back to Tim Duncan to get a draft prospect that was as highly rated as Lonnie. And the reason that he fell to the Spurs was because of injury concerns, and he's healthy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we always hear a, a, lot of, a lot of reporters who cover this team will tell the fans that are like, bring Lonnie up, bring Lonnie up. They'll say, you know, the Spurs don't really do that. And that's true. But at the same time, in the past, when they've had a player who was a very high-caliber player, they brought him along a little more quickly and threw him into the fire a little bit. Um, <clears throat> and Lonnie definitely has some things in his game to iron out. You know, we talked about the patience with Luka Doncic. That's something that Lonnie is still working on. He takes a lot of mid-range jumpers that I'm sure Pop would uh, not like to see many more of. Um, <laughs> and in that in that game a couple days ago, um, you know it was a it was a rock fight. It was like eighty seven eighty four uh, with three seconds left, and uh, he got the inbound and, and rushed the shot. Um, oh. um, so you know he's still got some of those patience things to work on, mm-hmm. but he knows that. Like one of the really things, one of the really impressive things about Lonnie, if you talk to his coaches and the people around the team, is you know he he's actively seeking out you know ways to get better, mm-hmm. asking to watch film, asking what he can do to improve, and you know he seems to be taking it to heart a lot. And the defense is you know the the most important thing for cracking the rotation as a young guy um, on this Spurs team. And he's been really working on that. It's tough because a lot of these G league teams don't want to go at him, you know, like the mm-hmm. game plan for that. And that's, that's something I want to ask coach Blake Ahern about is, you know, if you get the directive from pop, like, okay, we want him to work on icing pick and rolls. Like, okay, well, the guys that we play against know that he's six four with a six seven wingspan, and you know they don't want to attack him that way. So, you know, <clears throat> it's it's tough for him to get a, a ton of reps mm-hmm. at the NBA level, but I think they're way more meaningful than the reps he's getting in Austin. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. See. One game where I was frustrated that he didn't play, and I think a lot of fans were too, is uh, just the most recent one, the Hornets game, because yeah. you you had a guy that was out from the from the rotation of Marco Bellinelli, and you have Rudy Gay, out, two perimeter players, 
And, you know, you, you saw that Pop couldn't, you know, he had to basically throw in um, uh, Quincy Pondexter and Dante Cunningham trying to figure something out, kind of like a Band-Aid, and it just didn't work. And, you know, that's a situation where if, 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 if two of your perimeter guys are out, I think that you really do should at least give Lonnie uh, some sort of a few minutes just to see, you know, get his feet wet, get him in there with the, with the actual rotation in, in a meaningful game. And that wasn't that wasn't the case on Monday. That was almost like, you know, he. So yeah, let's just say he turned, like you say, he shoots a bad mid-range shot, and Pop takes him out. Okay, well then, that's it. He made the mistake. But what if you know right. he does show some promise on that? And um, and so yeah, it, you know, basically Pop the last you know the last few times I've seen him and, and been in interviews with him, he's basically given the same answer, which is basically, you know, we want Lonnie playing basketball, and the only place he's going to play basketball is in Austin right now. He's a, he's he basically means he's not going to get into the rotation anytime soon, and I really feel like. The Spurs getting their act together in December and and cementing a really good nine man rotation is what re- what really limited it's going to limit Lonnie's chances because now exactly. you know you you'd really have to see Derek White or Bryn Forbes or Patty or Marco or DeRozan or somebody struggle mightily to get one of those guys out of the rotation to where they'd even think about adding somebody else to that rotation. I mean, you saw Dante Cunningham's minutes by like mid December just get slashed all the way and he was no longer part of the rotation. So right. I think that's the that's the toughest thing uh, Lonnie's dealing with right now. Yeah, no, that there was a there was a time where I thought they were going to bring Lonnie up out of necessity, you know, like they mm-hmm. they were playing so bad at a stretch where it was like, you know, this team needs a spark. And, you know, there aren't players with much more spark than Lonnie Walker, you know, um, and in, in Austin, he's been playing some of the three. So if, you know, if Rudy Gay and Marco Bellinelli continue to be banged up, you know, we might we might see Lonnie Walker get some spot minutes in that role. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that about that. He's been playing three, and that, and that definitely that that's good for him because that versatility shows Pop that he can be out there at different spots. Um, especially like you mentioned defensively. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I, I know it's not the answer the fans want to hear, but right now it does look like he's going down that that track of like all the Spurs former first round picks except for Kawhi. So basically, here's the amount of games that the Spurs some Spurs first round picks to spend in their rookie year. Uh, in the Spurs uniform, um, Derek White only played 17 games in a Spurs uniform last year. Then DeJounte Murray the year before, 38. Kyle Anderson the year before that, 33. Uh, Corey Joseph when he was a rookie, 29. And then Kawhi played. Kawhi was the one of the one of the rare players who, which which obviously was a 15th pick, 64 games, and we saw him start for 39 of those games. So again, Lonnie's kind of following the typical path of of a normal Spurs rookie, where we probably won't see him get any kind of meaningful minutes until year two. But again, the only thing that I think gets him in the rotation now is either an injury to a core player or somebody playing really struggling really, really poorly um, during the season. I, I will add one thing um, that is kind of different about Lonnie's um, you know first season as opposed to some of those other guys is you know he came in hurt and mm-hmm. um, had to recover from an injury. So I think the Spurs are definitely wise to bring back this, you know child slowly uh and you know but but he is a talented enough player where i can i can see him later in the season becoming a valuable contributor off the bench for this team oh okay uh i'm still like i said uh, until i see that nine round rotation struggle then i i don't see pop tinkering with experimenting with any kind of lineups until they start struggling, because really they've been when they're healthy, those nine guys have been really good for San Antonio. We saw that during that that crazy time when they've been playing like a seventy-win team for about nineteen right. games or something. So, but unless I see, not, even if he's not in that nine-man rotation, you know, mm-hmm. 
I, I think he could take some of Quincy Pondexter's minutes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Him. Like I think up. everybody would be cool with that. No, know? everyone. No, everyone will be cool with that. <laughs> and I, I think that, you know, he should get some more opportunities to do that and just, you know, show a little bit of what he can do at that next level. I'm all, I'm all for that. And so I just don't know yet if pops, if pop will start thinking about that, maybe he will, maybe they'll start bringing him along in the rodeo road trip in, in February. We'll start to see, um, as the season progresses, but like, but like, like, like we just said, you know, unless, you know, if Bellinelli and Rudy Gay do sustain more energy, uh, injuries long-term, then, he, then maybe Lonnie does get a chance to, to get in there, uh, and get some more uh, NBA meaningful minutes. Okay. Let's go ahead and go into our last um, topic, Tom, and that's previewing the upcoming games for the Spurs. Uh, we're going to cover the next three games because then I'll be able to record sometime early next week. So the game we were talking about earlier is uh, the Spurs' next game on Wednesday. They're going to Dallas to face the Mavericks. Um, Dallas at home, they are 16-5, and playing like a 54-win team. They're 11th ranked on offense at home and 17th on defense. Now, Las Vegas has already made the Mavs a one-point favorite early on. Rudy Gay is listed as probable, and Marco Bellinelli is listed as questionable. Who do you have in this game between the Spurs and Mavs? So, you you kind of hit the nail on the head with the the home record for the Mavericks. They have been one of the most bipolar teams in the league this year uh, in terms of winning at home and losing on the road. Uh, I think they have like four or five wins on the road compared to 16 at home. Um, yeah, four wins on the road. Um, but they played well in their own building. Um, you know, DeAndre Jordan is a guy who you really have to game plan for on both ends. Um, and he's the type of player who uh, LaMarcus Aldridge has struggled with, especially playing center um, this year. Um, and, you know, we, we still need to see who's going to start I don't think it should be Pau Gasol. Yeah. I think starting Pau Gasol against DeAndre Jordan would be kind of a disaster. Um, maybe we see Jakob Pertl, uh in the starting lineup because of his athleticism. Um, but this this team has looked best when it's been LaMarcus Aldridge or Jakob Pertl on the floor um, as the only real big man. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I'm watching in this game, and then obviously, you know, who guards Luka Doncic? Is it <laughs> Rudy Gay coming off of the injury, and how will he do? Because um, I mean, Doncic, he's he's putting together one of the most impressive rookie campaigns of all time. He's he's a rookie of the year, without question. Oh, for sure. But, I'm with you. Let's see. Last. Last 10 games, he's averaging 24 points, uh, six and a half rebounds, five assists. Oof. He's 19 years old. And, I mean, the shots he hits, you know, like, yeah. He, he pretty much, in the last 90 seconds of that Timberwolves game, he scored three baskets. Each one gave them the lead, they won. And that, that shot he hit a couple weeks ago to tie the game, send it to overtime, falling in the corner. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Man. Uh, yeah, Zach Lowe had some stats on his clutch stats. It was, it was insane, the numbers that he's already putting up. Yeah, but I, <clears throat> I think the addition of Rudy Gay will really help the Spurs, and they'll win this game. 
Okay, so you're taking San Antonio? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I am actually with you. So, so I'm basically doing, uh, you know, on paper, I'm going to go to say Spurs. But again, I'm, I'm going to go on two, just because vocally, I'm going to go with two outcomes. Uh, if Rudy Gay plays, I think the Spurs win this game, like you just said. If he does not play, I think that Dallas will get this game. So, But on paper, I'm going to record it as, um, as Spurs. Uh, like you, so oh, uh, just forgot to tell you, uh, your record coming in is three and one. You have a good record, <laughs> and it's minus minus twenty three and seventeen. Uh, so yeah, so so you have a good record. Hopefully, uh, uh, keep that up. So then, Tom, on so we're both taking Dallas. I mean, we're both taking San Antonio in that game on Wednesday. Right. Then, Tom, on Friday, the Spurs travel to Minnesota, uh, where they have been blown out by the Wolves. The Wolves are fifteen and seven at home, playing like a fifty seven win team in their own building. They are sixteenth on offense at home and eighth on defense. Who do you have in this game between the Spurs and Wolves? Yeah, I mean, the Spurs are a different team since that blowout loss, but so are the Timberwolves. Um, Carl Anthony Towns has been on a tear. Andrew Wiggins looks a lot more comfortable now that Jimmy Butler's gone. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and <clears throat> yeah, they're, they're playing some pretty good basketball with their new head coach. Um, I I don't know. I I think again, this comes down to the center matchup for me between Towns and Aldridge. But I think Aldridge's game is going to travel pretty well, and mm-hmm. you know, Towns kind of has that reputation as being a little soft inside, and I think Aldridge is going to attack that. So Spurs in this one. Okay, I'm with you too. I'm, I'm picking the Spurs. And I, I know the numbers say Minnesota, you know, in, in this game should be the better team. But I just, you know, I, I think it's more of the recency where I just saw the, the Wolves and Spurs here in San Antonio. San Antonio absolutely clobbered them. Now, obviously, that's I don't think it'll be a 30-point game, but I, I just have more, I have, I guess, more faith in San Antonio than I do uh, Minnesota right now in terms of how they, when they're a complete team. Uh, then, Tom, on Sunday, the Spurs host the Los Angeles Clippers. The Clippers at, on the road are 10 and 11, playing like a 39 win team. On, on the road, they are third offensively and 21st defensively. Who do you have in this one between the Spurs and Clippers? The Clippers have been sliding a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't really know why it's tough to diagnose, um, but they're, they're having a tough time. Um, and you, this one's in San Antonio, yeah? Yeah, this is in San Antonio. Yeah, I I think their their struggles combined with the home court advantage for the Spurs, I think, is going to be too much for LA. Okay, so you're taking Spurs. Yep. Okay, I I'm with you there too. I got the Spurs as well. It's crazy. The Spurs are coming in one and three in the last four games that we're taking them three and zero in these next three. But I mean, that's I, I how good this team has been, though. You yeah, know, exactly. Like, with Rudy Gay. Mm-hmm. I. Um, you see it, the the people on Twitter hitting the panic button after after four games, after they played <laughs> like the best team in the league for a month. They have four games without their third option, and it's like, oh my god, trade for Bradley Beal. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. They, you know, it's funny because uh, those those reactions they're very dormant when they're winning. They, you know, they're just gone, and then. The minute they lose a game, I have like new followers or just new tweets of people that I've never even seen before, and they're just you know trade so and so, and this is why this trade didn't work out for this guy, and it was just pointless to move this guy. It's like oh here we go. So I, yeah, I had, I had family in town this weekend, so I didn't watch the uh, OKC game that they lost, and I just said you know I don't have to watch this game but before the game. I was like I don't have to watch this game. Winning on the road against a good team is hard. It's really hard if you just played two days ago against them. Um, you know, the the 
result is not going to impact my thinking on this team. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I actually recorded that one. I caught it later on the evening. But, um, where were you on whether or not you think Pop should have, should have rested Aldridge and DeRozan on Saturday against OKC? Um, I mean, you, you said it earlier. They played every game. Yeah, so far. Mm-hmm. I, I think they need to rest some games. Um, you know, pick the right ones, stagger them. But they need to get some rest in. I think it would have been good to rest Aldridge after that one. Because he was a horse in that game. Yeah. 56? 56, yeah. Yeah. And, like, you need these guys to save their legs. James Harden, he's been incredible. No way he can sustain this. Need to preserve these guys' bodies for the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. And that's the tough thing is that right now the Spurs are seventh in the standings as you and I record this. And, and it's like, you know, how do you, how do you define that line of, you know, saving it for the end of the season, but then also, you know, making sure you're still competitive and in the race right now. But I, I'm with you. I think I think that they should have rested those players on, on Saturday just because it almost felt like your win was that overtime game. And then, you know, it's probably a schedule loss on Saturday just because of exactly. the, the amount of minutes they had to play. And it was on they had gone to the second out of back to back the night before. So. I really felt that they should have rested it. Who knows? Maybe the players didn't want to rest. Maybe they're trying to make the All-Star team. Who knows what the motivation is there. But, um, yeah, I think that it would have helped them both considering they played all their games. All right. Um, thanks, Tom, for coming on the Spurs cast episode 525. Again, Spurs cast listeners, if you're on Twitter, please follow him at Real Tom Petrini. Thanks, man. Thanks again to Tom for joining me on Spurs cast episode 525. If you are on Twitter, please follow him at Real Tom Petrini. Uh, some last reminders before I exit this episode. Uh, continue to check Project Spurs. Steven Anderson continues to provide his analysis after each and every Spurs game. Uh, my, like I mentioned, me and Tom mentioned in, in, uh, earlier in the discussion, my, I have my latest piece is called Examining Aldridge and DeRozan's All-Star Chances, where I go through you know, some of the numbers and you know, the categories. I mean, the, um, the, the, the voting uh, uh, ways of how DeMar and Lamarcus could get, LaMarcus could get selected as All-Stars. Uh, also... Uh, t- Colin Reed wrote his latest piece, which is called Trade Deadline Preview Part 1, The Spurs' Guard. So it's kind of – Colin's going to be looking as the trade deadline approaches on February 7th. He's going to be writing about each of the Spurs' positions and, you know, what are the chances that somebody gets moved, that they don't get moved, you know, what are the salary implications and all that good, all that kind of stuff. So check out that piece by Colin. And then lastly, if you're listening to this on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. Thank you. Have a great day.